BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. So just talking to Charity, and she said this was a medium-sized episode today. What's going on, guys? I'm Mark. That's Charity. We're back. Oh, my God. We're better than ever. My, oh, my. Yeah. Oh. You know what cheered me up? What? Was the, uh, quite a few of the uh, douchebag drops. Oh, my God, guys. We just listened to some of them. We did. I got to say, our creeps kick ass. You like, guys always come through. I want to cut them up and make them sound really good, but let's see if I can just find. I'll just play you. I'll give you a snippet. <laughs> you, sir, are a douchebag. I love it. Yeah. There's so many on there. There's quite a few. <laughs> We're just sitting, just listening to them. Mark, you have something to tell the creeps. A very, very exciting something. Something new. I'm like something, yeah, something new, something borrowed, something that goes meow. Something and something's that's black. Furry. Furry. And has really pretty green eyes. Such a pretty new kitty. Sophie, are we talking about Sophie? Sophie's not black. Sophie is a pretty kitty, too. We got another cat in the house. Tell the people what her name is. Mascara. And it came, she came with the name, guys. She came with the name. She is my friend's cat. They unfortunately had two more cats, and they were kind of beating on her. So I was like, I will save you from this life of getting beat on. And yeah. let me bring home. And now she beats on Sophie. <laughs> I know. Sophie, I guess Mark was saying, wants to be best friends with her. And she wants nothing to do with it. She's like, Sophie's peace out, like, Sophie. Oh, that's my cat tree. That's a different cat. Let me jump up and see how it goes. And she gets three quarters of the way up. And then Mascara looks at her and goes. Oh, guys, Mark hisses really well. You, you could do that on the side. You could do a voiceover. <laughs> you see the face he's making. Well, I'll tell you what. Oh I saw God. that face up close because Sophie's ritual oh. is to jump up in bed and sleep onto my chest. Oh. 
uh, Mascara's ritual is to now jump up on the bed and sleep on Kristen. Oh, Kristen did. T- I saw Kristen yesterday, guys. Yep. And the first thing she said to me is, this cat's my cat. She's like, I love Sophie, but this cat is amazing. Yeah. She's like, Sophie is too. I'm like, you're allowed to think one cat's better than the other. Well, not, I'm not only one of those that, weirdos. she has maybe a little more of a connection because Sophie is so connected to you. You know what I mean? And her kid. Yeah. Sophie likes me and her, her son. Right. And kind of snubs her off. Right. I mean, I get it. She hasn't, you know, whatever. She's like, Sophie's whatever. I have ah, mascara now. God. She could, She read it the whole time. When I first moved in here years ago, she was like, you're going to get another cat someday that you're going to love. So I'm just going to ignore you. That's funny. But in she all knew. seriousness, mascara is great. They're going to become friends. All Sophie wants to do is be friends with her. Mascara will be walking across the floor. Sophie will jump down and she'll be like, hey, hey, pal, what's going on? And, and she'll start what? chasing her down. Oh, Sophie does like her food, though, because we have to do that whole food mixing game. Yep. And my food that Sophie has, you know, is probably like eight eighty eight a bag at Walmart. And this other food, apparently, you know, mascara loves it. And then Sophie's been eating it out of her bowl. So we're trying, we have to do the mix game where you start slowly mixing the yep. other cat food in. So far, um, they're just she's just eating out all of her food and leaving the other food. When Sophie doesn't go over there and eat the food on her. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to swap to this other food. How much is more is it? It's $87 a bag. Oh, my God. So that is not happening. Oh, wow. I was That's like, a big difference. What is going on here? They only sell it in 16-pound bags, and it's 87 bucks. And I was like, I love cats, but, yeah, we're good. You can have kibble. Sophie <laughs> loves the cheap stuff. Like She's like, Daddy. Daddy eats cheap stuff. She eats cheap stuff. So it's all good in the hood. But, hey, I'm back from Indianapolis. Yes, you are. I had fun. We uh, we saw some things. We did some things. We saw some things we probably shouldn't have saw. Oh. Um, but one of the coolest things ever, and I've never had them because they're not in our area because Boston sucks and they outlawed them. So did Cambridge. And all the towns north of there have two. But bird scooters. What is it? A bird scooter. What's that? It's a powered scooter you get the app on your phone um i see those wait a minute the ones you stand on yeah so they have them in i think they have them in lowell yep um they did have them in nashua but they kept taking them and throwing them into the river yes so they took them out of town yes. and Ma- Manchester I, I do see them, them around sometimes around. so you can see them here and there i think lawrence has them it all depends what's what the community um you don't recall the do. post I made when I went for a walk no. one time and there was... Mark doesn't pay attention. I went for a walk one time um, when I was at my workplace. Yep. And there was a gentleman on a, one of those scooters who asked if I wanted a ride. Did you get a ride? <laughs> no, I declined because oh. I was I was trying to get some exercise, but that was very nice of him to ask. So, so my boss has one that's his own. It's not a bird scooter and it's very expensive and very nice and it goes like 40 miles an hour. And it wow. Does, and it goes like 40 miles. The thing is crazy. Um, I don't go on that one because fat guys hitting the ground hurt. Oh, I think anyone hitting the ground hurts. No? Yeah, but fat guys hurt more. Oh There's my a God. lot more mass there to hit. So basically we were, you know, I'm cheap. I mean, I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows that by now. And we didn't rent a car this time because Indianapolis is so such a little compact area where we were. We're around the Lucas Oil Stadium, so we're just in the middle of town. By the way... 
ate on other people's dime the entire week. Nice. So we had sponsors take us out. We had uh, other companies take us out. And it was fun. That's awesome. I ate more steak than I know what to do with because I was like, this is phenomenal. I'm not, wait, you're picking this up? I'll take the filet mignon. (laughs) Oh, my God. My boss goes, you're picking this up? I'm going to take the Wagyu three-tour steak experience. Oh, my God. This dude walks out and brings up the steak, and he's like, it almost looks like this doesn't happen often. Yeah, I'm sure. Because he comes out and he's like, excuse me, sir. Uh, Yes, uh, this is your steak. I want to count the marbling rings with you. Oh, my God. Um, There's 87,000 of them. We're going to go one, two. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. And then he goes, and I have to give you this. On a silver platter, he hands him a uh, certificate of authenticity. Wow. For a steak. For a mukau. And he was going to throw this thing away. I was like, dude, if that does not go to your house and get framed. It needs to. Yeah. Like, I don't know you. Yeah. Because that is awesome. That is awesome. So it comes out. I just got a regular strip steak. I'm not, I didn't even really get filet mignon. I get cheap stuff. Um, even if I'm paying it, see, that's how you know a true cheapskate. Whether you're paying or not, you always get the cheap stuff. That's just, it's in my DNA. And he did give me a, a piece of his steak and it was probably worth the $245 wow. that that piece of steak was. Oh my gosh. And then he's like, I want dessert. Who else wants dessert? None of us wanted dessert. So, but he got red velvet cake. Oh my God. How did he fit it in? It was a, hold on. <laughs> That's what she Where said. the heck's my button, by the way? It's in this mess somewhere. I'm moving offices. Oh, I see it. Yeah. Careful. Cause it's probably, it's oh, like, it's it's like the mountain. Uh, so it. basically he gets the steak. They come out with it. I mean, I'm sorry. They get that. We're over to dessert now. He gets red velvet cake. It is a quarter of a 10 inch cake. And it is 12 inches tall. Did he eat the whole thing? He looks at us. There's four of us at the table. And he goes, I don't care if you guys want dessert or not. You're all eating. And I'm like, I don't like red velvet cake. Red velvet cake is gross. And I had cream cheese frosting. And so anyways, I ate it. It was really good. I bet. But I don't I don't really like that kind, that kind of cake because red velvet cake is just chocolate cake. With red food coloring in it. Right. And I don't like excessive food coloring because I don't like big things that are crappy that I eat. And that's what it is. Yeah. So anyways, getting on. Guys, this is going to be Mark Heavy for a few minutes at the front here. Just <laughs> not not weight wise. Just could, Mark Heavy You can talking. fast forward if you don't want to listen to it. People like Mark stories. It gets good. I'll tell you. A lot of fun stuff happened during this trip. <laughs> so basically, we're cruising around Indianapolis on these bird scooters because... It's way cheaper than Uber. We each get the app on our phone and you like scan the little thing and you can drive for like 20 minutes for like four bucks. That's so cool. So we, we were, we were the, like the bad boys club cruising around Indy. It was like a gang. Uh, yeah. It was oh, like a, a bird scooter gang. Oh, it was fun. And there's probably about 17,000 of these things around the city. They're everywhere. Everyone's riding on bird scooters. Nobody's paying attention. Everyone's blowing through lights. Oh my God. They're everywhere. That's kind of scary actually. It was a bunch of race car drivers at a convention. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, skidoo in a boat. So yep. there was three of us the first day, and then one of our other coworkers showed up after. So I was the oldest one out of all of them because I'm older than my boss by like 10 years probably. Yep. And the other kid is my daughter's age. That's funny. Um, and then so I was I was old man winter for the first couple days we were there. And then when the other guy shows up, he's like old enough to be my dad. So 
we're driving around town and I just yell back because there's a big divot in the road that we almost killed ourselves <laughs> on the day before. And I was like, watch out for the big hole. Oh, goo, 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 goo. I was oh like, no! Oh, I probably should have told you beforehand. Sorry. So, other than that, let's see. Um, my favorite race car driver of all time, Tony Stewart. Love Tony Stewart to death. Guess who was there? Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart. Oh. Um, I missed him. Bummer. We were at a restaurant eating, and apparently they were at the table behind us. And you didn't know? I, they, they were behind us. Oh, so you didn't see. Didn't see him. But in the picture Tony Stewart took and put online, you can clearly see us in the background. Could and you see the back of your head? You can see our table. I could see one of the people that were with us. That's so cool. So pissed. And I even commented on Tony Stewart's post like, I was eating at the same restaurant and I missed you. I'm so mad. <laughs> Flash cut to the next day. Out on the floor at PRI. And... One of my friends is like, Mark, behind you, behind you. So I turn around like any other guy thinking there's some hot chick walking around because that's pretty much what happens at these conventions. Of course. And Tony Stewart is very short. Yes. So I'm looking over the top of Tony Stewart's head, not realizing. And he was right there again. Realizing he's standing directly behind <gasps> me. Like if he had sweat, it would have hit me. So now I find when I finally realize it, I'm like, hey, Tony, can I get a pic? And his handler grabs him and says, no more pictures. Tony, let's go. And starts pushing him down Aww. the aisle. And I'm like, this is horrible. This is the worst day of my life. So we're at dinner the next day talking to my friends at a company that we utilize. Tell him the story. He's like, you're going to be so mad at us. I was like, why? We met Tony Stewart in our hotel bar last night. He came back to the room and partied with us till like four in the morning. No way. I was like, you didn't call me? And one of the guys is like, we actually thought about it, but said, but nah. you guys were, I we knew that you were your hotel wasn't directly near here, and I was like, I don't care how far it is <laughs> next time, I want to come. So, anyways, Miss Tony Stewart did meet Greg Biffle. That was kind of cool. I just was like, what's up, Biffer? Nice. He walked by, gave me the thumbs up, and kept going. Um, that was a fun trip. Good. Two places down from the hotel was the Red like Garter. Or something like that. It was a strip club. Oh. I, I'm not into strip clubs. It's not my thing. Yeah. Didn't want to go. Um, but we did get a show outside when we drove by, and there was like a 60-year-old guy standing in front with his wang hanging out. Yeah. Just standing there. And, and we're that driving was, by on the bird scooters. And that was and for like, free. Yeah. Yeah. Not what people usually go to the strip club no, for. No, but, but I mean, you saw you saw a live nude. I mean, I that's did. It just, you know, just because it was a big, you know. I, I didn't say it was big. Oh, it wasn't big. No, nah, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been showing it. There's oh. showers and growers. You weren't either. Usually, so. the ones that want to show it, it's not usually showable. I know. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but you know, that's that's a conversation for a different time. All right, so we are 13 minutes into a crime show. We haven't mentioned one thing about crime. <laughs> What's new, Charity? Um, not much actually. No, I got a lot of uh, got a lot of comp comments on my question about horses on the trails and why they can poop and dogs can't. <laughs> and somebody did did state that they do have like a little thing that horses can wear on their bums that'll catch it when they're on really? the trail. Yeah. Thought that was kind of cool. Why don't um, they do that during parades? I don't know. Is every parade I've ever seen. Yeah, they just, just do. Yeah, away. they just plop away. Um, and I have noticed I did not participate this year with the Christmas cards. I just had too much personally going on. Uh, so I apologize, but I love seeing 
all the comments on our page of everyone who's receiving their cards. And- I just didn't have time. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I literally just spent a week in another state, and mm-hmm. then I uh, just am getting ready to leave again. Um, flight back was uh, slightly eventful. I always have good flights. Oh, geez. They warned us because we were leaving um, Indianapolis. It was eight- Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 18 degrees and snowing. Oh. And it was 67 degrees in Boston when we landed and pouring rain. Oh. So the, the sky was a little bit rough. Yeah. Which I love. My boss... Not so much. So I had a good probably two days of telling him, like, it's going to be really bad on that plane. And then when he comes in the room, I'm like, hey, you want to watch airline disasters? Because I, I I eat it up. I don't care. Right. If I'm going down, he's like, you're psychotic. I was like, I'm well, really it's your not. time. It's your time. I guess the way you got to look at it, What am I going to do? Right? It's going to fall out of if the sky. If you're already in the plane, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So We had a horrible trip last year out of Daytona, if people remember. But oh, this yes. year, so we hit a little bit of turbulence. And I just looked at him and started giggling. He's like... I hate you. I'm like, hey, stop being a wimp. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. Says the man who's afraid of scary movies. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> hey, that's that's scary. I wouldn't get caught dead seeing a scary movie, but I'll fly a plane that's going down. I don't care. So I do have um, a couple of missing people to talk about sent to us by Zach. I think we should talk about. This actually comes from KTIV.com, and it's from Sac County, Iowa. Uh, The search for missing Sac County man David Schultz continues with a new update from authorities. David Schultz has been missing for over two weeks, last seen on November 20th, disappearing while on a run to deliver a load of hogs in Sac City. Um, His semi was found parked alongside a road in Sac County the following day with Schultz's wallet and cell phone aside. That's never good. No. No. Since then, hundreds of people have helped search over 10, excuse me, over 100,000 acres of land in Sac County for Schultz with help from the United Cajun Navy, a search and rescue team. New information was released Sunday afternoon by the Sac County Sheriff's Office. According to the Sheriff's Office, Schultz arrived late to pick up a load of hogs in Eagle Grove, Iowa, leaving with the hogs around 10.50 p.m. Video shows him at a truck stop east of Fort Dodge on Highway 20 around 11.15 p.m. the night of November 20th. A DOT camera shows him leaving that truck stop 16 minutes after arriving and heading west on Highway 20. This was the last time he was seen on video. This is sad. Authorities say cell phone data from his phone matched the video timeline, but his phone was left in in the truck. Hmm. Yeah. So police say they've ruled out possibility that Schultz crossed the border after a man by the name of David Schultz was found to have bought a one-way plane ticket from Minnesota to Phoenix on November 21st. At this time, David Schultz has not been located. The Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation has been assisting in the search for Schultz along with several other agencies. The United Cajun Navy is a coordinating search is coordinating searching around the Sac County area. You can follow their Facebook page for updates on searches and the need for volunteers. 
Anyone with any information is asked to call Sac County Sheriff's Office at 712-662-7127 on your local um, or your local law enforcement agency. Absolutely. Something like that's really sketchy when they leave everything behind. Exactly. Makes you wonder, did he do it or did yep. somebody else leave it? Yep. This is another one sent to us by Zach. And again, it's from KTIV.com. Hi, Zach. Hi, Zach. He used to be on there as Zachary, and so we always called him Zachary, but I think he goes by Zach, so he actually changed it to Zach. I think I used to call him Zachariah. Oh. First, I think I messed it up because Interesting. Zachary was spelt weird, and I thought it was Zachariah. Yeah. I'm not the smartest pencil in the whole thing. Stop it. See, if you caught what I did there, I actually messed up what I said on purpose because it's not the sharpest pencil in the pack, so I had to make myself sound dumber. I can't with you. <laughs> That's what she said. So uh, Calhoun County, Iowa. On Friday, December 1st, Mark Reisberg's body was found. Uh, And this is previous. We're going to read what it said previously. So Calhoun County, Iowa. Mark Reisenberg's last known location was his home just outside the Lytton, Iowa, where his family says he left his phone and wallet before disappearing. This is not like him. He would never go missing. He would never miss work. Something is wrong. We need to do something, said Mary Brown, Mark Reisberg's sister. Brown said Reisberg's employer reported her brother missing on November 1st. The Calhoun County Sheriff says Reisberg's last known contact with anyone can be tracked back to October 28th. So if your employer is even noticing you're not there, then you're a very Mm. reliable person. Yep. You know? Brown says while her brother's phone and wallet were found in his house, his tan PT Cruiser is still missing. I love PT Cruisers. I don't know if someone came to the door in the middle of the night and needed help. Of course, Mark is going to help anybody. I don't know if he went out to help somebody. I just don't know why we can't find him or his car. So this was obviously before his body was found, okay? Yep. So the search went underway. He was 53 years old. Uh, in neighboring Sac County. So this, again, is in Sac County, same mm. same area. He's been missing for more than a week now. Brown said it's frustrating to see all the people and tools being used to find Schultz. She thinks the Calhoun County Sheriff's Office needs to do more to find her brother. I said, no, you can't be serious. And they said, to tell you the truth, we'll probably find him in the bottom of a pond in a few years. Ooh. Like, just like just no compassion. Are you kidding me, said Brown? That is That is sad, if that's... That is horrible. Yeah. So, um, apparently, um, he, his body was found, but there's still so many questions about why, what happened to him. So the sister keeps saying something is wrong that, you know, there had to have been something, you know what I mean? Like the body's just found. But the family's saying this is out of the ordinary and things are weird. Like something's up And the fact that his, his... Even his employer knew, like, he sounded like a a really reliable guy. Yep. So to just go missing like that, that definitely sounds like this foul foul play of some sort. So if anybody knows anything, I'm going to get to the number that you can call. Um, 712-297-7583. And um, it's the non-emergency number for the uh, Calhoun County Sheriff's Department. So our heart goes out to both of those families uh, for their loved ones being missing. And now, unfortunately, uh, one of them, their body has turned up. I mean, that's the worst nightmare for anybody. And please keep sending these types of things. We'll read them on air. The more we get them out there, the better. 
Because you never know. See something, say something. If you don't even think what you saw is relevant, That's relevant right. you may solve the case with what. Because how many you times, know. like we've talked about this so much, yeah. that you look back, people look back and say, you know, I did notice this person running. Do you remember that the, the young girl we read about? This was a long time ago. It was one of my just collaboration stories. Yep. Um, this one was a cold case. And she was the last time she was seen was running from a bar without any shoes on. I do on. remember this and one. And it's like, okay, that is a notable mention, right? Yes. That's a strange sight to see. So I don't know. But keep them coming. We'll keep reading them. Oh, absolutely. But I think now we should get into the case. The case. So there's been documentaries on this, this case. No, wait a minute. Ready? The case. Dun, dun, dun. Meow. Oh, see, you got to get those douchebags on the, on the I board. I can't wait. This is an interesting one. Uh, I watched a made-for-TV movie on this particular case. Ooh, exciting. And it was, an in, it was an interesting spin on it. They took it kind of kind of for what she said. I don't know. Let's just get into this, and then I'll talk more about that. How's that? I'm excited. <laughs> okay. You have piqued my interest. Okay. Melanie Lynn Slate was born on October 8, 1972 in Ridgewood, Middleton Township, New Jersey. There wasn't too much information about her early childhood, but it's been said that it was a very normal one. She went to Middleton High School South. After graduating high school, Melanie went off to college at Rutgers University. She was clearly a very smart woman and seemed to like school because while there, she studied a double major in math and psychology. Those are two very intense studies on their own. Never mind a double major. Like you have to be very intelligent to be able to do that. I don't believe I could be. That's awesome. I am not a math fan. Just saying. But you did get a plus one for me in your tech ability the other night. Yes, I did. I wrote to her. I was like, she told me something she did that was very rudimentary and easy. And hey, then, hey. <laughs> I mean, very difficult to do. And I went. You now get a plus one. That's not nice. On your tech ability. That's not nice. I'm just picking on you, Charity. I am like so techy now, guys. So, anyways, that, can you hear me rolling my <laughs> eyes? So she graduated from Rutgers in 1994, but her studies didn't end there. She wanted to become a nurse, so she enrolled at Charles E. Gregory School of Nursing. She graduated in 1997, second in her class, and was set to start her career in nursing. So she graduated second in her class. She's smart. She's a smarty pants. Two, day, two years later in 1999, she married William McGuire. Do you not recognize that last name at all? Uh, McGuire. Uh, Mark McGuire. Oh, God. Guys, he... You're going to... I think you might remember this case when you hear this one. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Bill was a little older than Melanie as he was born September 21st, 1964. The happy couple was ready to start their life together. Melanie worked at a fertility clinic while Bill was a computer guy working uh, at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Did you like that I said that? I did. Yeah. The two went on. Minus to one tech support. Ex I got a minus because I said technology. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't have to say Technology. Okay. Nah, I'm just playing. Come on, don't take my one away. You've already posted on <laughs> Facebook that you got a plus one, so I can't take it away now, I guess. <laughs> the two went on to have two boys together, and for a while, they were living in an apartment in Woodbridge Township, but they had been working on saving money to move into a house. Their hard work paid off, and on April 28th, 2004, they signed their mortgage 
um, on a house that was $450,000 and were set to move into their home in Warren County. So that that's exciting, right? Yes, absolutely. You get, you get your first home together. Your kids have a nice backyard now. You work your butt off to get to this place. It must have looked from the outside that the couple had it all. A beautiful family, great jobs, and a brand new home. It's like the American dream. Perfect. Yeah. It's like it's like the Chris Chris, Chris Watts, right? Perfect yep. little family from Perfect the outside. Family in. outside in, man. Yep. But according to Melanie, during this time, the marriage was quickly losing steam, and it hadn't been good for a while. In fact, it's been reported that Melanie would later claim that Bill had a nasty temper and would sometimes get violent. Not cool. She also claimed that he had a gambling addiction. These are claims uh, opposite of what the relationship looked like to some others that didn't know them very well, like we said, looking from the outside in. But we do hear later on that the close people did see something. They saw it. All right. So take that for what it is when we continue on in this case. The very same night that the couple should have been celebrating the purchase of their new home, Bill went missing. Poof. Gone. That's not normal. Melanie claimed that on the night of April 28th, 2004, she and Bill got into a fight. She said her husband got violent um, as he had in the past and shoved her against the wall and tried to choke her with a dryer sheet. Wait, what? I'm having, so you're thinking the same thing I am. I'm having a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around the whole trying to choke her with the dryer sheet. Like those things aren't very long. No. And- I don't know. That wouldn't be my go-to method for choking someone. But also, when I'm thinking of something that you know that you would strangle or hang something with, dryer sheets does not come to mind because yeah, they don't really have that right texture that would. And I'm not trying to you know make it so it doesn't pull. You know, obviously abuse or it's violence wrong. is That's always wrong. Saying. I'm not trying to victim shame or anything like that. I'm just saying it just seems a little odd to me. Yeah, we can think things are odd. Yeah, here is what she had to say to 2020. Quote, he probably would have broken my cheek if it hadn't been a closed fist. He said he was leaving and he wasn't coming back and that I could tell my children they didn't have a father. The next day after the alleged confrontation, Melanie talked to a divorce lawyer and attempted to file a restraining order. So this was the next day, guys. Wow. That was quick. Good. The next day. Maybe. I don't know who's bad here yet. So I'm going to. The next day, she quickly filed for divorce. The, the next day after they had just signed on their new home, she filed for divorce and took out a restraining order. Okay. okay. All Some I'm going to say is like that's very interesting. Yes. Okay. Bill would never return home and the family never moved into their new home. Let's continue and find out just where Bill went and why he never returned home to his wife and children. Okay. On May 9th. A couple of men and their children were enjoying some fishing together in Chesapeake Bay. While fishing, one of the children saw a suitcase floating about in the water. A green Kenneth Cole suitcase, to be exact. That was a pretty, those, that's kind of been a pretty pricey suitcase, Kenneth Cole. Why is this starting to sound familiar to me? Like this is a Law & Order episode almost feeling like. The men pulled the suitcase onto the boat and opened it up, curious to see what was in it. To their horror. Horror. Did I, I say like that right? One. Nope. Horror? You're getting closer. Horror. Horror. No. That yes. hurts. No. Inside the suitcase. That hurts. <laughs> <You> weirdo. 
were a set of dismembered legs that had been cut off at about the knees. This sounds familiar. How horrifying. You're just fishing along and, oh, look, there's some poor man's severed legs. That's not all that is going to be found as we move along, though. Oh, boy. The fishermen obviously called the police and an investigation began. On May 11th, another suitcase was found by a graduate student cleaning up litter on the beach of Fisherman Island National Wildlife Refuge. In the suitcase, so this was a separate suitcase, guys, there was a head and a torso and there were two bullet wounds in the chest and one in the head. Don't mind me punching the microphone. Oh, I'm glad it's you for a change. <laughs> I will say now I do remember this case. This do case you? is now. I yeah, didn't... this was a pretty popular one at one. Well, that sounds hard. I couldn't to say tell it you that the way. details, but like this, you'll it's you'll hear. And, yeah, because good, because then you'll be able to give me your opinion. I will. So I give you that. Anyways. May 16th, the day after the most wonderful day that was ever yes. created. The two coolest people in the world <laughs> yeah, were born I that mean, day. I don't know why they had to skip over the 15th and just jump to the 16th, but whatever. Yeah, there's something that happened important on the on extremely the 15th. important on the 15th. But who are we? God. Anyways, on May 16th, the third and final suitcase was found with more remains, such as arms, etc. So, oh. like, arms and just whatever left over. Now that the police had the man's head, they were able to have a sketch drawn and get it out to the public to see if anyone could identify him. That's exactly what happened. Almost immediately, one of Bill's friends saw the sketch and knew in an instant it was his missing friend. Police told Melanie that they had found her husband and she was very upset. I mean, who wouldn't be upset, right? In shock, all the things. Oh, 100%. Melanie quickly became the one and only suspect in Bill's murder investigation. Hmm. Let's get into the reasons why. All right. Okay. Apparently, on April 26, 2004, Melanie bought a gun at a store in Easton, Pennsylvania. The gun she bought was a 38 caliber handgun along with the bullets, the very same bullets found in Bill's body. That's a little more than interesting. A tip came in from an employee at, at a towing company who said that he towed Bill's 2002 Nissan Maxima from the Flamingo Hotel in Atlantic City on May 8th. Okay, that's interesting. He was at a hotel or his car was, I should say. A security video video showed someone moving Bill's car in the early hours of April 30th, 2004. Unfortunately, the video was too blurry to identify who the person moving the car was. This, I think, is what I think of this person. Ready? Okay. I have some really big opinions on this. We can have a little round table oh, yeah. afterwards. So. Oh, yeah. Melanie later admitted that she was the one that moved Bill's car and said it was a joke. Remember just a few days before this little adorable play- prank, the couple had had the, that horrible fight? You know, the one where Bill allegedly tried to strangle her with a dryer sheet? So now she's like, ha, 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 I'm going to hide your car. She was so scared. She tried to get a restraining order. This is like uh, the old dude who tries to steal your nose. I don't believe you. Right. You're weird. You would think... She would want to stay as far away as she could from him and not mess with him if he was that violent. Right. And I'm not saying he wasn't violent, okay? Again, I don't want people coming from me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's kind of strange to play a funny joke on somebody if you immediately you're went to go to get divorced from. Well, and you have a restraining order again, so why would you put yourself near that person? It's just a question. 
It was also discovered that Melanie had been having an affair with a doctor at the clinic named Bradley Miller, and they had been seeing each other for quite a while. How interesting. Just two days after Bill's disappearance, Melanie's Easy Pass went through a toll to and from um, in Delaware. So that's interesting. That is. When asked, Melanie told the police that she had gone to Delaware, but only to do some furniture shopping since there was no tax. However, she tried to have the Easy Pass charges removed from her bank account. And a few days after she tried to have them removed, police believed her stepfather tried to have them removed. Hold on. Something stopped in my throat. Hold on. Ready? Oh, bullshit. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Something. I think I got that out there. I thought she was just shopping there. So why right? why would she have the charges removed? I mean, it's not a big deal that she was there for legitimate reasons. Hmm. Interesting. Here's some more kind of damning evidence. The police, oh, excuse me, the plastic bags that Bill's body parts were found in were analyzed forensically with a bag Melanie had given a friend filled with Bill's clothes. Hmm. So she had already gotten rid of all his clothes, I guess out of sight, out of mind, right? Yeah, things are adding up here. It was determined that the plastic bags came from the same factory and the same assembly line. Melanie herself said it was just a coincidence, but she and Bill had owned the same three-piece luggage set that Bill's parts were found in. But that was just a coincidence. It, real big coincidence. It would have been a coincidence, too, I bet, if it had their name written on the bag. Oh, I, oh my God! Like yeah, like an indelible ink. It's a it's a coincidence that they he you know he ends up in a bag he owned like that. That's it's, just weird. that's it's just the evidence was she would have been better off. Well, I'll I'll tell you in the end what I yep. think. I don't want to get ahead of myself as I always do. You're you're looking excited over there. <laughs> I know the bullets that were found in Bill's body had green fibers on them. Fibers that were believed to have come from a green couch that Melanie and Bill had in their home. The police thought that one of the pillows from the couch could have been used as a silencer. Oh, my God. And that would that would make sense, right? If you use it as a silencer, the, the yep. fibers could get caught. It doesn't work as good as people think it does. There was a towel found in one of the suitcases that looked like a hospital towel. It was compared to the towels used at the clinic Melanie worked at. And shockingly, it was an exact match. What a coincidence. You might wonder how she was able to shoot and dismember Bill. Because, you know. He was a he was a pretty big dude compared to her. Yeah. Well, the police believe she stole a syringe and medicine to sedate him and then killed and dismembered him. The thought of doing that to someone is just so messed up. Yes. The person that you used to love, the father of your children, I just can't wrap my hand. Like I if she was afraid of him and it, I could more understand if it happened during that fight. I don't even know if I could understand that. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. if he had been abusive and violent and if she got something and just hit him over the head and killed him by accident. Had she ever gone to the police? I, I don't think. Had she ever th told no. a friend? I, th I think some people did. Well, I'm going to talk about it later. Okay. Okay. It took a little longer than a year for investigators to gather all the evidence they needed to arrest Melanie. June 2nd, 2005, Melanie dropped her boys off at school and had no idea the police were waiting for her outside. She was mindlessly walking to her car when the police came out of nowhere and arrested her. She was taken to Middlesex County Adult Correctional Center and charged with first-degree murder. Her bail was set at $750,000. A bail she was actually able to get. Huh. So she clearly had a lot of people that loved her, Right. Uh, or believed her bullcrap. Yeah. One or the other. Whenever, see, this is one of those cases that are hard because you never want to doubt somebody who says they've been abused. That's what I, that's what I mean, right? My problem with this, though, 
is if she really wasn't and she was using this as a excuse to kill somebody, shame on you, you scumbag. Yes, because I agree. what you're doing is you're diminishing what really happened to many, many people. Yep. So for that, if that's true, I don't like you. Her attorneys were Joe Tacopina, Tacopina, Steve Torano, and Mark Ward. It was through them that she entered a plea of not guilty. On October 11, 2005, a grand jury sent down a four-count indictment. This new indictment enabled her to bail to be raised to $2.1 million. But somehow, she was able to get the funds together and released from jail once again. I, I don't know. I feel like with murder cases where there's so much overwhelming evidence against somebody, I don't feel like there should even be a bail. I feel like they should be held. Hmm. Right? But I guess people still can be not guilty. So I understand why there is bail. I don't know. But this, and this is just such a, to defile a body like that. Yeah, it wasn't that's just, that, gross. that's what gets me when people can bring it in themselves to do that, you know? But, anyways, what do I know? I don't even like eating steak off of a bone. Like, I, I don't know how I people know. can do something like this. Oh, it's gross. I know. To me. Over a year later, Melanie faced some more. Uh, counts. These counts were for allegedly writing letters, letters that tried to sway the investigation in a different direction. She pleaded not guilty to these charges as well and was again released on $10,000 bail. Where is she getting all this money? It makes me wonder. Who's like, helping her? Also, she is standing by her original not guilty across the board. I mean, you got to give her that. Yeah. Right? Finally, on March 5th, 2007, Melanie's trial started at Middlesex County Courthouse in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Prosecutors focused mainly on the relationship she had been in with Bradley Miller, the doctor at the clinic she had been having the whirlwind affair with. They said Melanie wanted Bill to Bill gone so she could start a whole new life with Bradley. Melanie wasn't having any of it, still insisting she was innocent, and it was her husband who had become more and more aggressive as his gambling addiction got worse and worse. On April 23, 2007, the jury was ready to give their verdict. They found Melanie McGuire guilty of first-degree murder. After seeing all the evidence presented at trial, there was no question in their minds that she had committed this vicious crime. On top of the first-degree murder guilty verdict, she was also found guilty on other charges. These charges were perjury. Um, the jury obviously believed she lied on the stand. She was also charged with possession of a weapon and um Desecration of human remains. That one is just, I, don't, I still yeah. don't, I can't. She was, however, acquitted of the count of writing the letters to the police trying to throw them off her trail. I guess there wasn't enough evidence to prove Melanie was the one who wrote the letters. So there were letters that were sent and they just couldn't, quote unquote, prove that she sent the letters. Here's a little twist. Oh, twisty. <laughs> twisty. Yeah, you're throwing me a little twisty He's a little here. twisty. Before she was sentenced, Melanie appealed to have a new trial. I guess an informant in jail named Christopher Thaim said that Bill was in total debt and was probably killed by the Atlantic City mob. Prosecutors were quickly quick to squash this nonsense and point out that Christopher was known for his elaborate stories. So he must have just been like an informant in jail that, you know. That's what he did. That was his thing. He made. He'll tell stories. you what you want to hear. That's right. Take time off of me. Yep. Yeah, I hate people like that. July 19th, 2007, Melanie McGuire was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of her husband. She was only 34 years old at the time. The murder of Bill McGuire was named the quote-unquote suitcase murder. Obviously. Right. A book about the case was written. 
Different TV shows have covered this story, and there was even a movie made, a movie that, of course, I watched, as I stated. (laughs) On March 16th of 2001, an appeals court stated that Melanie had to serve over 63 years before she would even be eligible for parole. April 29th, 2014, she filed for post-conviction relief. She She alleged that at the time of her trial, she had ineffective assistance of counsel. So she was basically saying her lawyer sucked. That kind of has a little Jody Arias. Or maybe about. you were maybe you were just guilty. That, but do you, you please tell me you know who Jody? Oh yeah. Okay. We've, yes. Okay. Are you kidding me? Because I watched that entire trial, man, and I she fired him. She fired Kurt. She's lawyers. equally crazy and hot in the weird, crazy way. Oh my god. Yeah, she was a tough one because she yeah. was very well spoken too when she when she spoke. I mean, she sounded like an idiot, but like she just spoke well. Yeah. That was like, oh god, that's another one. Anyways. Let's, I, I gotta knock out all my tangents. <laughs> Melanie also claimed there was new evidence that could help her. Sadly for her, her request for a new trial was denied. Yes. Melanie McGuire is at Edna Mayhem Correctional Facility for Women in Clinton, New Jersey, living the locked in the clink life. 2020 wow. caught up with Melanie for an interview reported by ABC News in 2020. She still claimed she was innocent and her husband's killer was walking free. Melanie was interviewed by Amy Robach in prison. She said, after all these years, I still feel hurt. I still feel bothered. Like, how could somebody think that I did that? Here is what she had to say about the fight she and her husband had the night he disappeared. He probably would have broken my cheek if he, if the hit had been a close, closed fist. I looked down and there's my two-year-old. I grabbed the baby and went to the bathroom right behind me and shut the door. I just wanted to get away from him at that point. He said he was leaving and he wasn't coming back. And then I could tell my children they didn't have a father. So she's fully sticking by her story. She's psychotic. What about the gun? Why would she have purchased a gun and bullets? The very same kind of bullets that were found in Bill's mutilated body. Well, Melanie told 2020 that she bought the gun for her husband because he had a felony conviction from a bad driving record. So he couldn't buy one on his own. That... Is she's she does have an answer for everything, yep. but the only problem is the person that she's putting this on isn't here to tell us if that's true or not. Yeah, that's so big. But as we know, she bought the gun only two days before Bill went missing. Doctor Miller, the man Melanie was having the affair with, was cleared of any wrongdoing. He said he knew nothing about Bill's death and even agreed to wear a wire to try and get a confession out of Melanie. Miller ended up testifying against Melanie during her trial. That's pretty interesting, huh? The guy that you wanted to leave your husband for is testifying against you now? Well, he's probably like, I didn't, I signed up for this, but not, not all of this. Oh, because he was married too. He, 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 uh, if you he's look into him PO'd, a little bit, he's probably pissed right now that his whole world has turned upside yeah, down. He's like, I was just going to cheat with this girl. Well, never if, tell if anybody. you look into him, he never wanted to leave his wife. Yep. He, he was just having a fling on the side and he liked his life the way it was. She was more invested, obviously. Oh boy. Bill's car was found in Atlantic City. That's where it was when Melanie decided to pull that little fun prank on him and move it. Yeah. Her explanation was that she was so mad at him. She assumed he went to Atlantic City. So she decided to drive down there and confront him. Didn't she just say earlier that she was so afraid of him that the last yep. fight that she was wanted to be so far away from him as she could? I don't get it. She said she just stumbled upon his car. Melanie had this to say during her interview about the car. 
It sounds beyond ridiculous sitting here saying it, and I acknowledge that. It's the truth. It's notable to say that investigators have always believed that Melanie had to have help getting Bill's car to Atlantic City. As I stated earlier, the doctor who was having the affair with her was totally cleared, but someone had to have helped her get her husband's car there, right? Yes. Because you have to drive both cars there and then drive home in one car. Investigators believed she planted his car there to try and create a narrative that he was still alive. Here is what Melanie had to say about the easy pass charges and why she tried to get rid of them. I panicked. I absolutely tried to have those charges taken off because I feared that people would look and think that they ultimately, what they ultimately ended up thinking. The chloral hydrate that was found in Bill's car came from a Walgreens pharmacy right near the daycare Melanie dropped their, dropped their children off the morning before Bill disappeared. Oh, and the script was from Dr. Miller's own script pad. Hmm. How do you answer that one? Interesting. Like, how does she answer that one? She doesn't. The she script was it. analyzed and proven not to be Dr. Miller's writing. Another reason he was fully cleared. Uh-oh. <laughs> do you have tech support issues? Nope, I'm doing it on my own. I'm doing it on my own. What happened? Did it scroll all the way back Hold to on. the top? Hold on. So while you were trying to scroll, I want to say Merry Christmas to Steve. <sighs> Our great uh, mail guy. <gasps> yes. Uh, Steve, your presence in my mailbox. You'll find it in the morning. I'll Merry probably get, Christmas. I'll get the message, not you. Yes. Merry Christmas. Because I message Steve back when he messages me. I don't think he messages me. Oh. Because he sees you in person sometimes. Yes. I've had a Steve sighting, but I haven't gotten to actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a Steve sighting. All right. Did I waste enough time for you to get yes, back to the There you go. <laughs> Uh, what about all the incriminating searches found on the family computer? Melanie had this to say to 2020. I am a nurse or I was a nurse and I don't need to look up things like that. If I wanted to look up, look for something like that, I have a physician's desk reference. I have a book that I can look in that doesn't have an internet history. Even though Melanie McGuire was found guilty of murdering her husband, there are many people that believe she is innocent. Here is a little info to add from the New York Times. We know that Melanie has said he was a violent, compulsive gambler with a drinking problem, right? Yep. So Marcy Polk is Bill's ex-wife. Here is what she had to say. I was a wreck by the time I got out of that marriage. He emotionally and physically abused me. Marcy was married to Bill from 1986 to 1994. They were high school sweethearts, but clearly it turned dangerous to the point where Marcy got a restraining order against him. Here is just a thought. What if Bill was truly an abu as abusive as Melanie and Marcy say? If that were the case, what if Mel Melanie had a battered woman syndrome and a switch flipped and she killed him? Mm. Although that would be hard to prove since there was evidence of premeditation. I mean, there was so much. Yep. I mean, you go buy a gun, you do this, you do that. You try to cover it by getting a divorce lawyer. It just it doesn't look good. Or what if there is someone else out there? the so-called accomplice that helped drive Bill's car. Someone that saw what Melanie was going through and took matters into their own hand to protect her. All I know is that there was an awful lot of evidence that led a jury to believe that she was without a doubt the person who killed and dismembered Bill McGuire. Who knows? Maybe new evidence will arrive to prove otherwise, but right now Melanie McGuire is in jail serving her time. So uh, my thoughts... I think he probably was abusive. Yes. Okay. Which is not. I think she acceptable. was unhappy, but I do think she wanted him gone and start a new life with the doctor. 
All right, so I'm going to just lay it out the way I see it. Is this your opinion? This is my opinion. Anybody who hits a spouse, I'm not even going to say a man who hits a woman. Oh, yeah. Because it could be a woman it hitting could... a man, a woman hitting a woman, yeah. a man hitting a man. Like, same-sex crime doesn't still happens, matter. too, so it doesn't That's matter. Right. Nope. If you hit a partner, you're a scumbag. I agree. And I think you should go to jail. I agree. I also think that maybe he had a right to defend himself. In the court of law. Yes. Which he did not get. That Yes. I'm not condoning no. what he supposedly did, but no. we have this thing in this country that you're innocent until proven guilty. So without those checks and balances in place, how do we know? I honestly think, this is my opinion, that she would have gotten less time if right from the beginning she said, I agree with you. Oh my God, I, I'm sick with guilt. I did this. He was so abusive to me. I wasn't in my right mind. And then they could have used the battered syndrome, yep. maybe, and get her less time, right? Now yes, I there was still you. premeditation, so that would have been factored in as well, instead of just, like, losing her crap and or they were in the middle of a fight and she hits him off the head with something and he ends up dead because of it. I honestly think that she did shoot him and she did... Indeed. Your opinion. In my opinion. Well, I mean, it, it's, oh, she's, it's, yeah, she's she was found guilty. guilty. So. But I, she's standing by that she didn't do it. My opinion is that she did. Yep. And I think that she was living a horrible life with him. I totally feel like she was. She had these young kids. She was trying to make it work for the kids by getting the new house. She was in this, you know, she was obviously super unhappy at home, especially with him being abusive and got into this fairy tale affair with the doctor which would never turn out never turns out either. because you know what of course it is you're in that honeymoon phase in the beginning you're meeting grass up is and, always greener yeah, on the other side till you're there you're meeting up and having like these little you know sexy times and you have no nothing else right so i all right you're starting to convince me here no no no, no no because <laughs> i said sexy time guys but i just uh, I, sexy time i use sexy time so i just think that she should have just been honest from the beginning because there was just so much. There was too much evidence, guys. Yeah, there was too much. And for for a jury to all agree, a hundred percent without a shadow of a doubt that she did carry this on. And I do feel bad for her, the, the her that was being abused, yeah, and the kids I that saw too. things they shouldn't have. If that were the case, but like you said, we don't even have him here we didn't to have rebuttal. Yep, we don't have proof. We don't even have him here to say or for her to have gone to the police and say this was happening and, you know, separate from him. So I don't know. This case is really, I don't know that dismembering is what gets me. Yeah. And putting that's... them in different suitcases and chucking them. That's just, oh, God. Yeah, that's odd to me. That's still the father of your children, whether he's an asshat or not. Yep, I agree. There are douchebags out there everywhere. Let's have them actually serve justice. You know, yes. justice be served on them. Yes, so, all right, big announcement. Oh, what? This is the last episode. It is? Of Case Watch. We're done. We're over. <gasps> Just for the year, though. Oh, it's God. It's Christmas break. We take Christmas off. <sighs> Charity's like, wait, what? I'm like, I have, I have research that I have on here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably do something here or there, but we got busy holidays coming up. Yeah. Uh, you guys have busy holidays. We wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah. Whatever doesn't offend you, I don't care. Yes. Whatever ha you celebrate, if you don't celebrate, whatever. Happy month of December, I don't care. Happy New Year, we can say that one. Well, some people have different New Year's. 
But something. I do like "We Wish You a Merry Christmas." Oh. I had to get my my song in for the day. Song, you didn't. That's no, right. It's pretty good. Wow. Oh, and Hold guys, on, I'm hitting all my my drops. Yeah. Well, because right, because there's going to be new drops. I yeah. hope so. Keep leaving the douchebags on the voicemail, guys. 603-212-4600. Just call and say douchebag. And maybe you know, for Christmas, you could get just you know, give us like a little five star somewhere. Five star review, that'd be great. Yeah. What's funny is as I'm in Indianapolis with my friends, and my phone kept going off, and it was just like, why is everyone calling you a douchebag? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even tell them what it was. You didn't? No, it's more fun just having that. That's especially awesome. when I get the. Uh, Douchebag. <laughs> Someone was like, what's Sling Blade calling you a douchebag for? I'm like, I don't know. Guys, all of your douchebags that have been left as of right now, is uh, they're fantastic. That's the best douchebags I've ever had left on my phone. Yeah, leave some more douchebags on 603-212-4600. We'll see you after the new year. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.